The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, Namtlanje, Vandach, Nasjaye, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so, uh, about uh, four weeks ago, uh, we started a new series uh, talking about worry. And the title of the series is Don't Worry About a What? A Thing. Not a thing, a thing. Amen. Don't worry about a thing. And uh, uh, the reason we said you shouldn't be worrying about anything uh, is because uh, God wants you to uh, live a worry-free life. Amen. Uh, we, we learned from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter number 6. He says, do not worry about a thing. Uh, in fact, what we should be doing is seeking first the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, we also learned last week from the apostle Peter. And uh, he said in First Peter chapter number 5, uh, for us to cast all our cares, how many, all of them, uh, on him, Jesus, because he cares for us. And he was quoting from Psalm 55, which says for us to cast our, cast our cares on, on him, because uh, when we do what happens, he sustains us, amen? amen. And so today, in the same breath, we're going to um, uh, move right along. Uh, but before we do, uh, I want to just read you some statistics that I believe will be interesting to you. Uh, why are we even talking about worry in the church? Uh, this is because uh, this is where we live. You know, a lot of people are tormented by worry, stressed out. Uh, people, you know, are struggling to, uh, uh, you know, get some sleep. They're struggling to, to do all kinds of things. And so we really need to look at this. Uh, the first statistics, uh, statistic that I want to read out to you is uh, from the National Center for Health. Uh, statistics, and they say this. They say 60 to 80% of all doctor's visits have a stress-related component. And in reading the article, you know, I found out that, uh, you know, what they were trying to say was for uh, 60 to 80% uh, of all doctor's visits uh, have a, a worry-stimulated element to it. In other words, the person didn't have anything wrong with them. They just worried themselves into the doctor's consultation rooms. And uh, sometimes if you go to doctors who are honest, uh, I'm not saying anything about, I mean, if it wasn't for doctors, Christians, all, most Christians would be dead. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> you know, for doctors who are honest, they, they, they will tell you nothing wrong with, with you. Just go and get some rest. But some will make some, some change from you. They will, may as well make a, 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 a little bit of money from that so they will prescribe something. And, and in fact, they did a study in uh, Harvard Medical School where, you know, people would go to the, uh, the consultation rooms with this kind of thing, kind of deal where they think something's wrong with them and they would give them a placebo. 
it's got nothing in it, but because they felt like, you know, by taking this, I'm going to be well. Well, you can take the gospel if you really want to take something, and I think it will cure all uh, that ails you. Amen? And so we see that uh, most people who visit doctors have got nothing wrong with them. They just worry themselves in, in there. And so worry is, re is a real factor where we live. The second one was, uh, where will here, South Africa was the second most stressed out country. This is according to Bloomberg in 2016. You know, number one was Nigeria at 70.1. I don't know what those are, 70.1. You know, it's just 70 point, It's just numbers. But the, whatever metric they were using, Nigeria took the gold medal. And uh, we were number two on the silver medal uh, of uh, worry 70.0. I mean, real close. And so people here are as worried as anybody in the world. Amen. The third one country was El Salvador. And so, man, this is a sermon for, for us here. Yeah. You know, sometimes you go to church and you hear a sermon and you think it's for your neighbor. This one, I believe, is for, is for you. Amen. If you came, God wanted you here uh, to hear this for yourself. Can I get an amen? <coughs> the third one is, they say... Uh, this is, again, back to the National Center for Health Statistics. They say worry and stress have been called the silent killer and can lead to heart disease, high blood pressure, chest pains, digestive issues, irregular heartbeats, heart attacks, and things of that nature. And so, you know, worry and stress are really causing havoc in people's lives. And so this is why we need to talk about it. And uh, thank God we have permanent solutions in God's word. Amen. Uh, Jesus did something about worry at the cross. The Bible says he carries our sorrows and he bore our griefs. So at the cross, part of what Jesus redeemed us from was worry and stress. Amen. Amen. You don't have to live your life uh, with all kind of baggage that worry and stress brings your body was not designed to carry any worry. It will mess you up, not just, you know, uh, uh, emotionally, but it'll, it can mess you up physiologically. There are studies that have been done uh, where people start to slouch, you know, they can't walk straight. What's wrong with them? Nothing not wrong with them. They just worried themselves to have a, 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 a physiology of, that's messed up. Amen. And so this, this is a real, real problem. You know, it messes up your countenance. It messes up your emotions. We were talking la last week that it can, you can create an environment of heaviness when, you're, when, you're, when you decide to carry these cares. This is why Jesus is saying, cast them onto me so that I can give you rest. Amen? Amen. And so today we're going to look at Paul's perspective. Let's go to Philippians Chapter number four. We're going to look at Paul's perspective. And before we even read verse number six, which is where I really want to go, I think I'm going to read verse four because it says something that's powerful that we should be doing in Philippians chapter number four. And he says this. He says rejoice. What's that first word? What's that? Rejoice. He says rejoice. Anybody ready to rejoice? Man, you know what day uh, I was talking to someone. I said, man, how are you doing? He says, every day above ground is a day to rejoice. I said, amen to that. This is the day that the Lord has made. And what will we do? We will rejoice and we will also be glad. We won't be stressed out about it. And so the apostle Paul is writing a letter to his partners at Philippi from prison. 
facing a death penalty. He has no business telling anyone to go out and have a bri and have a party and have some joy in his life. But the apostle Paul takes it upon himself because he understands the spiritual implications. He doesn't offload on them. I mean, if I was the apostle Paul writing to the Philippi, I would have said, man, I, man, right now I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in this solitary confinement. It's bad. It's dark in here. And I'm about to face a death penalty. Please, please, please pray. Stress them out so we can all carry and be, you know, misery loves company. I need some company. Not the apostle Paul. He's spiritually mature. Instead of, of loading on them and getting them to carry his heavy load, which he knows how to deal with it, he actually tells them the spiritual force that he uses. We know how he uses it because if you read in Acts 16, he's been beaten up, thrown into prison. Instead of complaining and crying, he starts praising and giving thanks. Amen? And so he says rejoice, and just in case you missed it, Again, I say, do what? Rejoice. And what's the next verse? Let's go to the next verse, verse 5. <laughs> Let your gentleness or temperance be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now watch what happens. Verse 6. Be anxious for how many things? For nothing. Be anxious for nothing. A better, you know, a more current translation would say, don't worry about anything. You know, don't worry about a thing. Yeah, don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about the small things. Don't worry about the big things. Be anxious for nothing. Now, this is so clear, you'd have to hire someone, pay them a lot of money and over time to try and help you misunderstand this. But even after that entire ordeal, you, they will still not be able to help you to misunderstand. It's so clear. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in prayer, in everything by prayer, in supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. The Bible says uh, in James uh, chapter number 5, I believe, verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. He didn't say, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them call their friends so they can all, you know, sing kumbaya together. He says, if you're in trouble, you must pray. You must give it to God. You must cast it onto God. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. And so we've got to learn as the church, uh, uh, you know, to face our problems and not just to Facebook them. No, that'll preach. Amen. Now, here's the deal. Challenges are a great indicator of what you should be praying about. A lot of people say, man, pastor, I don't have a prayer request. Can somebody give me a prayer? Whatever is tormenting you, whatever is bugging you, that's an indication of what you should be praying about, not worrying about. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let him do what? Let him pray. And so the Apostle Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And when you do that, watch what happens. There is a peace. The peace of God. It's not a peace as the world gives it. It's a peace of God. He says there is a peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. In other words, this peace goes beyond what you can figure out. You know, if you try to figure out your figure out, sometimes you can uh, uh, realize that you can't figure out your figure out. I tried it. I would look at the number, you know, from different perspective. The rent is 12000 I have 7000 in the bank. 
and I'll try and go behind it so I can see it from, from the top thing. Hopefully the numbers will change. And I realize, man, I can't figure this one out. And what he's saying is there is a peace of God that goes beyond your understanding. That goes beyond what you can figure. That goes beyond what makes sense. A lot of people are waiting for it to make sense for them to have the peace of God. You're doing it in reverse. It's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You can receive it right where you are and begin to rejoice just like the Apostle Paul is instructing his church. The church of our Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately. But the church that he planted. Amen? I said amen. amen. He tells them to rejoice. And a lot of people, because of the understanding, he, he's careful with the use of words. He says this piece surpasses understanding. It surpasses understanding. A lot of people are waiting for it to fit their understanding, for it to make sense, so that they can have this piece. And he's telling them, no, this piece surpasses your understanding. It's got nothing to do with you figuring it out. And a lot of people are waiting, man, I, I've got to have a joy only when it makes sense. I was talking to this uh, older, you know, younger lady. She's in her 70s, and, and I was preaching the same thing. And actually, that's the story with uh, what Tanaja said. You know, Pastor Transformer, we were preaching at a church in, in Malmesbury. And so what happened was it's a, it's a small church. It's a house church. So Tanaja and I went there, and Dillian uh, went with us. And uh, the first time we went there, there were about seven people, and we preached. Uh, and those seven people were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we came back the next year, uh, that place, I mean, Probably we had 60 people in there. It was packed. And so we asked, what's going on? They said, man, we saw the transformation in those seven. We said, when this man comes back to town, we're going to be in there. And so everybody in that place started calling me Transformer. The Transformer is in the building. It was fun. Amen. I mean, we saw blind eyes open. We saw, I mean, it was amazing. We saw people healed. We saw uh, young people set free from stress and, you know, uh, prescription pills. It was just amazing. Amen. And so that's where the story, uh, you know, comes from. But I'm telling you guys, there's a peace and a joy that God wants to give to his church that is not waiting on happenstance. It is based on who Jesus is. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. When the world gives its peace, it has to come after the BMW X, uh, what's the latest one, X7, with all the pipes in there and all the leather. And you say, man, only then will I have joy. Jesus is saying, the way I give my peace and the way I give my joy is in my presence. For in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of what? Of joy. When Jesus, when you got Jesus in your life, you don't have to wait for something to happen on the outside for you to have some joy. You can have joy right where you are. And so she was saying, the older lady in Mom's she was saying, man, I get it. I've wasted my life. I said, what are you talking about? She said, man, when I was young, I, I said to myself, I'm only going to have joy when I graduate uh, 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 high school. And so then she graduated matric. And as she was graduating, instead of celebrating and having joy, in that moment she said, no, I'm only going to have joy when I graduate uh, college, when I graduate and I get my degree. And so she went to UCT and got a degree. And as on graduation day, instead of having a party and having a good time, celebrate, this is the day that the Lord has made. She said, no, I'm only going to uh, uh, have joy when I get married. Oh, she was wrong. <laughs> She got married. She said, I'm only going to have joy when we start having children. She had children. And when them little rascals came, she said, I'm only going to have joy when the kids move out. 
and I'm an empty nest and I can travel the world and, and get on cruise ships and so on and so forth. And she's, what is she doing? She's postponing her joy, her day of joy. You know, he didn't say next week is the day that the Lord is made. He says today. This one is the one that we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. This one, in this one. Amen. So you don't have to wait until something changes on the outside because you have all that you need on the inside. And so she said, when the kids move out, we're going to have joy. And the kids moved out, and she said, I'm only going to have joy when they come back to visit. <laughs> and then the kids started visiting. She said, I'm only going to have joy when they have grandkids for me. She said, grandkids. She says, I'm only going to have joy when they leave the grandkids at my house. Give me a moment with the grandkids. And then when she looked around, at that time she was now 70-some years old and, and, and she couldn't really enjoy because now, you know, your body has restrictions and she couldn't really enjoy life the way she could have. What did she do? She postponed. And Jesus is saying, you know, through the Apostle Paul, man, receive this peace. It surpasses all your understanding. Even if you tried, let me help you some. I've, I've been there, I've done that, so I'm not knocking on you. But even if you tried to, to figure it all out, you can't. I, I thought I could figure it all out. And I was trying to figure it all out. And I, I realized I couldn't. Amen. It was driving me crazy just trying to figure the little that, you know, God had entrusted me with. And so he's saying, he'll give you a peace which surpasses all understanding. And this peace will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The NIV or the NKG would say, think on these things. Now, why does he bring this up, talking about worry, stress, and anxiety? Why? Because the peace of God... The supernatural peace of God, it will flow freely through your life and becomes a byproduct of your thinking. You can actually restrict the flow of the peace of God in your life if you allow all kinds of thoughts to dominate your mind. And so he says, uh, when it comes to your thinking, you need to be careful the thoughts that you think. You need to uh, uh, get your thoughts through a, a criteria. Right? And check to see if it's true. What's true? What's true is what lines up with God's word. In fact, there was a minister of the gospel who used this verse uh, to decorate. They were an uh, interior, you know, uh, renovation, you know, interior decoration uh, expert. And they would use this verse to decorate people's homes. They would go and look for people that are things that are lovely things that are uh, inspiring, things that are of a good report, things that are true. Is it true leather even to start with? <laughs> Back to exhibit A. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. He says whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are noble. Now here's the question. What's the truth about your provision? The truth about your provision is in Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply how many? All of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ. That's the truth. Amen. Amen. And that's what you should be thinking about. 
not the outstanding bill. And how you're not going to make it and how, you know, this one, this contract is, needs to, man, I mean, I'm telling you, Mammon is trying to grab a hold of people's hearts. Whenever you see yourself saying to yourself, all I need is just for this contract to be signed and my life will be sorted. Man, Mammon has got you. Because what you need is Jesus. And you already have Jesus, amen? I remember when, when I didn't have a job, I graduated, man, I'd sit on the couch and say, if I could get 1,000 runs, my life would be sorted. That was Mammon speaking. Because I got the 1,000, and I realized, no, I needed 10. <laughs> and then I got the 10, and I realized, no, I needed a million. And then I got a million, I realized, man, I need a billion. And so the, the, the mammon thing, if, I mean, it keeps moving the target. And so the, the target that's really, really authentic that you can accomplish is Jesus. And you already hit the target if you're born again. You have Jesus on the inside of you. And you already have all that you need. Can I get an amen? And so he says... Uh, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. In other words, every thought must go through uh, uh, this criteria before you accept it in your heart. You must check to see, is it true? Is it noble? Is it just? Is it lovely? Is it a lovely thought? Is it, is a single person and they, they're going to give you a thought to, to, they're going to try and give you this thought to receive and plant it in your heart. They'll say, man, listen, the, 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 all the eligible bachelors are taken. <laughs> That's a thought. It's a proposal, right? And what are you going to do with that thought? Are you going to take it and plant it? In? It's not even lovely. It's not a lovely thought to think that you're not going to uh, be able to meet you know, your spouse and, and, and build a family and so on and so forth. But they will give you that thought. What are they trying to do? They're trying to give you a thought that's not lovely. And if you were to get that thought to go through a criteria, you'd know this is not the thought that the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says I should meditate on. That's not the thought I should be thinking on. And so what is he calling us to? He's calling us to set up a perimeter. He's calling us to set up a, a fence, if you will, around our heart. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with how much? With all diligence. Because out of it will flow the issues of life. Listen, we have it backwards. The church has it backwards. The church thinks that, you know, when we're dealing with demons and casting out demons, they think that's, you know, peak uh, spiritual warfare. That's not, that's, you know, Mickey Mouse spiritual warfare. You do it in one word. Puma, in Jesus' name, and the demon has to leave. But when it comes to your mind and your thinking, how are you going to cast out your mind? But here's what you can do. You can set up God and the perimeter around your heart. And say everything. That's what the soldiers do when they go to a place and they set up camp. They will set up a perimeter, set up a, a fence around the camp. And they have one access point where everything that goes into the camp has to be checked out. Everything that goes out of the camp has to be checked out. Because if you allow any kind of thing to go into the camp, it can compromise the integrity of the camp. And similarly, every thought that you allow in the garden of your heart must go through the gateway of being checked out against this criteria. 
Man, people send me all kinds of titles, all kinds of articles to read, all kinds of uh, documentaries to watch. And all I need to do is to check out the title. And sometimes, I, just from the uh, a title, I, I know this is going to drive me crazy. This is going to make me bitter. This is going to fill me with unforgiveness for the politicians that I don't even know. I'm going to be angry at them. I'm going to be carrying all kinds of crazy uh, feelings. And so I, I don't read them because it's not lovely. Now, for us, this has to be preached. For this generation, because we, we are a different kind, we pay big bucks uh, uh, for, to the world and, and, and for them to pump all kinds of sewage into our houses through the television box, through the internet. Man, you switch off the internet, people go crazy. What's, what's even on that internet anyway? And what are they going doing? They're consuming discouragement. They're consuming bitterness. They're consuming anger. Man, you ought, to be, you ought to be a little selective about what you allow in your heart. If they tell you you're nothing, that's not the, the, the something you should be consuming. You should be consuming more of God's word. Amen? Amen. Man, if anyone tries to feed you with stuff that puts you below God's estimation of who you are i'm talking about his true identity that which jesus paid for at the cross if anything tries to tell you something different why should you be consumed why should you be spending money to let someone talk you down from your identity man some of those magazines i i don't like those magazines it's like the, the the, the female ones are the worst it's like every page you go through they're telling you what you don't have You go to the first page, they say you're not, you're not, if you're, if you're big, they say you're not small enough. If you're small, they say you're not big enough. And then as you flip through the pages, they say you are, you are too dark or you are too light. If you're too light, this is what the white people are trying to bleach the black, the white people are trying to tan, the black people are trying to bleach. It's like, who's right? And then they will, they will sell you product. As you go through it, they will sell you product. And they will say to you, this one, this one is going to make you lighter. And you get on a bleaching program. And as you get to the, to the middle of the page, you, now you're starting to get fairer and to get lighter. As you get to the middle of the they change and they say, oh, black is beautiful. Black, black is back. Black is back. The only one who doesn't change is Jesus. I checked last week. It's still saying you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's been saying that for the past 10 years. Amen. I said amen. And so you've got to set up a perimeter. And everything that you consume in your heart must go through that perimeter. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it lovely? Is it honest? Is it of a good report? If it's not, you should not allow it to take root in your heart. Can I get an amen? amen? Why? Because your emotions follow your thoughts. The way you feel is determined by how you think. Amen? Let's go now to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 
every thought, someone say every thought, every thought must be investigated to see what spirit they carry. There are no neutral thoughts. Thoughts are vehicles carrying either faith or fear. There are no neutral thoughts. And so every thought must be investigated to see whether they, it carries faith or it carries fear. Every single thought. And I'm, uh, let, let me, let me uh, give you this as well. The, the, the lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention you give it. You know, worry just comes as a thought and the attention that you give it will determine how much it will stick around. Like, worry is just like human beings. It doesn't like to get ignored. It doesn't like to get ignored. If they come to you and they say, man, you're not going to amount to anything. It doesn't like that. Worry just vacates and it goes. And in fact, that's what you should be doing if you know who you really are in Christ. You should study that identity card that if the enemy comes to you to try and, and convince you that you're something else, you don't even spend time trying to talk to him. It's like if I came to you and I asked you, what's your name? You're going to tell me once. You don't have to go on a fast and, and pray and, you know, <laughs> bind and loose. You just tell me, hey, my name is Tafara. And if I insist and I say, no, your name is Tafara, you're going to say, hey, listen, bro. I've got no time for games. <laughs> and that's how you should deal with the devil. Amen. Some of you, the devil comes and he says, you know, you're nothing. And you say, say what? And you say, maybe, maybe I am nothing. No, you shouldn't even, you should know who you are and be established in who you are in Christ that you've got no time for games. Can I get an amen? amen. He says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 10 from verse 4 to 5, he says, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty uh, in God for pulling down what? Strongholds. So we have weapons, brothers and sisters, to, to take care of this thing. And these weapons have been given, uh, weapons, depending on where you're from, I like weapons better. Weapons. <laughs> these weapons, they are for pulling down strongholds. Now, 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 I remember many, many years ago, we had a you know, a strongholds, pulling down strongholds conference, you know, way back then. And we went there and, you know, the goal for the conference was to pull down strongholds. And so, uh, you know, sure enough, we went and what are we here for? We're here to pull down some strongholds. And prayer time came and we started praying and we were pulling down strongholds. We were walking around pulling them down. We pulled down strongholds of poverty, pulling down strongholds of sickness. We were pulling down strongholds of this and that, uh, pulling them down. And midway through prayer, prayer, the Lord stopped me. He said, Tafara, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying. He said, praying, doing what? I said, I'm praying, pulling down strongholds. And he said to me, from where? And I said, from the heavenlies. And he said, to where? And I said to here, he said, are you sure you want them where you are? I'm pulling them down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We would even do the prophetic action. Pulling them down. You gotta pull them down. And so I went and I studied it a little bit further. If you look up the word strongholds, it's not talking about some spiritual force up out there. 
He's talking about, the word strongholds is castles. He's talking about castles that are formed in your thinking. And these castles, watch this now, these castles are formed over a long period of time, one brick at a time. And so every thought that you receive uninvestigated, it helps you to bring and to build this castle. So, for example, if they come to you and they say you'll never amount to anything, if you receive that brick, yes, one brick to uh, the construction of your castle, and you re receive another one that says you'll never amount to anything, here's another brick, here's another brick, here's another brick. Your neighborhood, the neighborhood you grew up in, they talk to you about that. Your family background, they talk to you about that. Your qualification, they give you all these bricks. And, and, and before you know it you have built a castle in your thinking that allows you to only operate at a certain level you can't go beyond it because you've built this castle and so God gives us weapons right he gives us weapons that are powerful and mighty through God to the demolition of these castles he's talking about literally getting a, a, a big you know a caterpillar you know and, and just demolish these things and just you know bring them down so that you can have a fr fresh Start in your thinking. And so these strongholds, listen, casting demons, easy peasy. But how do you cast your thinking? If your strongholds is 1,000 rand, true story. If your stronghold is 1,000 rand, it doesn't matter how much money we put in your account, you're going to sabotage all of it to go back to where you are comfortable operating. This is why people that win the lotto, they have to go and spend it all as fast as they can so that they can run back to the castle that they know they're going to be safe in. So he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because all of the things, and, and, and here the Apostle Paul gives us some more insight. He says, uh, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the what? The true knowledge, the knowledge of God. Now watch this. This is the last part. I love this. He says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Did y'all see that? Sounds like a full-time job. Yes, it is. He says you ought to bring not just the bad thoughts. You've got to bring, watch this, every thought into captivity. So what he's talking about is every thought must be arrested and checked out before it's allowed to have free reign in your heart. You know, thoughts of worry. You must check it out first before you give it free reign in your heart. Amen? Amen. You know, if you watch Cops and Robbers, uh, uh, you know, this show on television, it's a reality TV show, and so the cops drive around the city uh, stopping people and checking them out, and, you know, robbers, they're looking for robbers and so on and so forth. And one of the things I, I noticed was every time they, they uh, stop someone, uh, the first thing they do, if they're a smart uh, cop, is they ask them to get out of the car, take them captive before they, they, they talk to them. And if you, if you in our backyard, and they do the same thing. When they stop you, they ask for your uh, uh, driver's license. That's, it's called taking you captive. Because even if you go... <laughs> Amen. And so because I've learned that on cops and robbers, if they don't take them captive, ask them to get out of the driver's seat, right? Get your thoughts out of the driver's seat. If you don't ask them to leave the driver's seat, get out of the car. 
right? With the foot from the, from the accelerator, get them out of the car and talk to them. And then if they check out, what do you do? You release them and they get back in their car and they can drive home. But if they're a bad one, at least you've avoided all kinds of drama. And I mean, it, it can be expensive if you leave your thoughts on the driver's seat and accelerator and investigate them from outside of the car. Because some of the robbers, what they do is they put the foot on the pedal and the car takes off and now you're going to need backup, you're going to need help. And sometimes they cause all kinds of commotion, all kinds of uh, property in the city gets damaged. And, and I'm not talking about cops and robbers, I'm talking about your thinking. If you don't take captive, because everything starts as a thought. How does divorce start in a marriage relationship? starts as a thought. Sitting at your desk at work and a thought will come to you. I can do better. <laughs> I think I can. <laughs> Amen. Say yeah. And, and, and now, now watch this now. And if you don't take that thought and, and make it go through the criteria, is it true that, no, it's not true. You already say till death do us part. Is it a lovely thought? No, it's not because it's going to cause you all kinds of problems. Right? Is it of a good report? No, it's not because it's a, so if you were careful to arrest it, but, but some of you will say, oh, let me just see, write the thought. Let me write the thought. Let's write the thought and see what happens. And you say, yeah, I can. I need me a, a new upgrade. <laughs> 2023 model. Oh. I wonder what Tabile is doing for lunch. Oh. This is a thought. Now you have another brick. You're bringing a, building a stronghold. Oh. I wonder, hey, I wonder what you're doing for lunch. I could take you out for lunch. And you go for lunch. And as you're sitting across from the, another third thought comes. She's pretty. How come I never seen that? Oh, man, she's been working in this business for a minute. Whew. She's hot. That's a third thought. Now you didn't uproot and arrest it. You still leave that sucker in the driver's seat with a foot on the accelerator. He says, no, take captive. It starts as a thought. Amen. I said, amen. amen. And so he's saying, every thought that comes to you must be taken captive. You know, I used to complain about uh, airport security. I used to complain about airport security until, you know, uh, Pastor Dave explained to me what it really is. They said, you know, uh, he said, Tafari, you know, the reason why they have to check out everyone uh, is because if someone gets on the same airplane with us and carrying something that could, you know, harm the thing, man, we are on that plane. And when he explained it to me from that perspective, now I don't complain about airport security. Take your time. If you want to strip the man, strip the man. Do what you've got to do. Because I'm going to be on that same airplane. Now, if I'm that diligent in the natural, watch this now, how much more diligent should I have in my thoughts? Every thought that comes must be checked out. Amen? Amen? Does it fit the criteria? Is it 
of a good report? Is it noble? Is it just? Is it lovely? And if it's not, you uproot it immediately. You ain't got no time thinking about that. You know, go, go somewhere else. Take your thoughts, take your mind somewhere else and start thinking about God's word. Amen? And start thinking about the victory that you have in God's word. Now, when it comes to worry and fear and all of these different things, the enemy is bombarding the, the, the church with thoughts of defeat. That's the only reason why people go into worry and fear. Man, I've met people who are doing so well. I met someone in the first service today. They said, man, we are doing so well. We are flying, but I'm stressed out about the day it's going to stop. Who told you it's going to stop? The path of the righteous keeps getting brighter and brighter. We move from one level of glory to another. Who told you it's going to stop? Why are you even worried about thinking about that? You shouldn't even be thinking that way. But what the enemy does is he, he brings a fear, he brings a, a, a message of defeat, a message of, of, of you know, you know uh, this thing is, is going to stop. But man, I'm telling you, any equation that you have, speculative equation that you have in your mind, that does not factor in God in your life is a wrong equation. Amen. Did you hear what I said? I said any equation that you have in your life speculatively any equation that you have in your life if it does not factor in god that equation is wrong so if you have an equation that says incurable death incurable disease equals death that equation is wrong why because you did not factor in god Every equation of life for a child of God should factor in God. And when you do, victory is guaranteed. Man, they have a show. I'm going to end with this. They have a show on television uh, where, you know, they bring out all kinds of uh, sports. And in this particular one, they would have two boxers in the ring. And then they would play the video for about, you know, five minutes. And, and you're watching the video. And then just as the, the, the boxing match is about to end, they press uh, pause and freeze the thing, and they ask you to predict who you think is going to win. And every time I've tried to play the game, I've lost, because I'm just trying to figure out things from the outside. I'm trying to see who's got the bigger biceps. It's the wrong way to look at things. I mean, if, if, if we were to bring Goliath and David, and just before the fight begins, freeze that sucker and ask you, who do you think is going to win, what's the first uh, question you should ask? Uh, which side is God on? Not, not who's got the bigger bicep, not who's got... Now, if I put two companies that are competing in the market and the other one is known to be a, 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 have been around for you know, 50 years and the other one is brand new and they ask me, they say, which company do you think is going to do well? Which one do you think is going to take the lion's share of the market? The f I'm not going to ask which one has been around. I'm not going to ask the one with the biggest mar uh, marketing budget. I'm going to ask which one, which one has God in it. Amen? And when you ask that question, whoever has got God, they are the ones that are going to win. You know, a story is told of Gideon in the Bible. He was tremendously outnumbered. I mean, he was going against the Midianites. He had, the Midianites had 135,000 strong men in the army, and Gideon had 32,000. I mean, in the natural, 32,000 versus 135, who's going to win? 
it's the it's the 135 the Midianites is they're going to win it's like playing against a team with two red cards <laughs> amen and so God shows up on the scene and he's talking to Gideon and he says, Gideon, how many do you have in your army? And God, uh, Gideon says, I have 32,000. You know what the Lord said to Gideon? He said, too many. What kind of math is that? 135,000 and 32,000. 32,000 is definitely not too many. And the Lord said to Gideon, now I want you to go announce to everybody that if you're scared, you can go home. And so Gideon gets on the loudspeaker of the, those days. If you're scared, go home. 22,000 people leave. <laughs> now, if I was Gideon, I'd have said, man, I was just playing. Please come back. <laughs> you got to fight for your families. 22,000 people leave, and so Gideon is left with what? 10,000. And you know what the Lord said? To my surprise? Still too many. Because God is not looking at the things from the natural. You and I have to stop looking at things just from the natural. We have to see in the invisible realm. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so he says, now I want you to take them to the a drinking hall and, and, and observe them as they drink. And so they took them to the drinking hall. And as they were drinking water, there were two kinds of uh, uh, people there. Uh, the ones that, uh, uh, the first group, uh, 9,700, they were drinking with their eyes down in the water. And God said, I can't use them. And I used to always wonder, what's the deal with that? The, the reason is, you know, drinking water is something necessary. It's something we should do. It's a need. You know, water is a need in your body. But, but God is saying he, he's looking for a church that have the ability to do what's necessary, which is drinking water, go to work, run your business, but at the same time still have the ability to keep their eyes on Jesus and not be consumed by what's necessary. The problem we have with the church is people get consumed with doing ministry. People get consumed with doing stuff and they forget the relationship. It's not the doing that sustains you. It's the relationship that gives you the power for you to function and for you to be able to win. Can I get an amen? And so the Lord said to Gideon, I want you to take the ones who have mastered the ability to drink with their eyes looking ahead, with their eyes looking at the kingdom, with their eyes looking at Jesus. And he says those ones will win any battle. He took 300 and went and whipped 135,000. In 300, we had mastered the ability to do what's necessary while keeping their eyes on Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Someone shout, my eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Someone shout, my eyes are focused and set on things above. I will walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Second Corinthians 4.18, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, 
but the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen are temporal, which means subject to change, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God wants us to fix our eyes on the eternal realm. And he's calling his church to live in this world, but be not of this world. He's calling his church to realize that yes, while we may be here, we have a greater reality of what Jesus paid for in the spiritual realm. There is a greater truth for your healing in the spiritual realm. There's someone here, under the sound of my voice, you've been told uh, that the pain in your body is now your uh, permanent uh, state. You've been told that the diagnosis of uh, sugar diabetes is now your permanent state, uh, that you're going to take uh, someone else, you're going to take uh, blood pressure pills to regulate your blood pressure. Well, Jesus is calling you to look at what he did at the cross. Healing is here. Jesus is saying, don't look around. If you look around, there's bad news everywhere. He's calling you to look up where your victory is guaranteed. Look up to what Jesus has already paid for in full. He said it is finished. It is paid for in full. And this morning we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for these individuals. Lord, we just pray, Father, that may your uh, uh, healing become a reality in their bodies. We pray, Father, that may, your, may their bodies resume perfect function as you have uh, built them to function. We pray for complete healing, total restoration from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Lower back pain, go right now in the name of Jesus. Go and never to come back. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we command you to receive your healing right now. There's someone else, uh, you've been struggling with uh, uh, insomnia, you've been struggling with uh, restlessness. You know, in the night seasons, it, it, you, your thoughts just uh, start raving up and it bombards you, similar to almost like a car uh, uh, just shooting up in temperature and things going crazy. Uh, you, you feel pressure as you are getting ready uh, to go to sleep and you cannot have not enjoyed a good night's sleep for at least over two years. As a specific person, you, you, you don't remember the last time you had a good night's sleep. Well, uh, God has a scripture for you. He told me to tell you Psalm 127 says it's vain for you to rise up early and to uh, go to sleep late at night and uh, to toil and so on and so forth because God is the one that gives to his beloved sleep. And God is saying receive this gift of sleep today in the name of Jesus. And so we rebuke the spirit of restlessness right now in Jesus' name. We rebuke insomnia right now in the name of Jesus. We release a calm, a peace that surpasses all understanding. We consecrate your imagination to the victory and the uh, 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 winning and the uh, triumphal uh, uh, things that Jesus accomplished for us at the cross. Thank you, Lord, 
that our minds are consecrated unto you. Even as you said in your word, that you will purge our minds from all dead works. And we know that worry and stress is a factory of dead works. It's a byproduct of dead works. And this morning we release sleep all over the building. Man, I can sense it. It's not many times that I can sense it physically on me, but I'm feeling it right now. There's a strong presence of God and He is reversing and He is bringing to pass all of His promises in this regard. Someone today, for the first time in many, many years, you're going to, as your head hits the pillow, man, you're going to have the sweetest sleep that you've ever had, but don't let it stop with tonight. Allow it to become your lifestyle from today onwards. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to have problems, but I'm saying you're going to have the ability to still rejoice and say to yourself, this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and someone say it, amen. amen. Now, look at me for a minute, just for a minute. You know, the only time you should be allowing your imagination to go into the future is to see your bright future. Did you hear what I said? The only time you should allow your imagination to go into the future is not to see all these catastrophic things that the enemy has been bombarding you with. See how your, 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 your thing is going to collapse, how you're going to get fired, and man, you go and use your... Your imagination was not given for that. Your imagination was given for you to see yourself uh, meeting your sales targets. Ooh, that, that priest right there. See yourself winning. Amen? See growth. See increase. That's what your imagination was given for. It is to see victory in the future. Don't allow the enemy to make you see demotion. Man, God wants you to see promotion. In fact, if you go into the Old Testament, the only time God would engage someone's imagination that way is to show him where he's taking them. What did he say to Joseph? He said in the night season, Joseph, and the reason he came at night is because if he had come in the day, Joseph would have fight, fought it off. No, I don't want to think me, people bowing down at me, no. And so God snuck up on him while he's sleeping. And his mind is at ease. And he said, this is where I'm taking you. Your brothers are going to, I have promotion for you. And he just put it on him. And he wanted Joseph to conceive something in his imagination. And so every time Joseph was in prison, he was at Potiphar's house, he could see that vision. He could see. And he would engage his imagination for what the Lord uh, had shown him. What did he say to uh, Abraham? He says, come out of that tent. Let me show you something. Look up to the sky. As many as the stars are, numerous. You can't count them, right? As many as they are, infinite. Man, the, as many as they are, I'm going to give you as many children as those stars. He didn't engage in his, his imagination. In Oh, you see, now you, 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 you are barren. Sarah is barren. Now, you're not going to have any children. You're going to die of an, an old age and you won't have any little children running around around you because of this medical condition. The Lord didn't give that imagination. No, he gave a different picture. So I'm telling you, the enemy is coming after your mind. 
that's the it's the biggest ever spiritual battle you'll ever fight it's, it's the one that goes on in between your ears forget about those strongholds in 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 uh, uh, you know maslatini forget about them man we take trips people going they're trying to fight this one this one is the one that's stopping you and it's time for us to declare war against thoughts that do not line up with God's word. Amen. 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 And the only article you should be reading is the one that says you win in Christ Jesus. Amen. Not the one that says your industry is going to be taken over by chat GTP. <laughs> I say you're not going to have a job because chat GTP... Wants to take for man, forget chat GTP. I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, you people engage in all kinds of stuff. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. <laughs>